The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 691 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. Thank you so much for joining us for this week. It is an exciting, thrilling, action-packed week of Sony news. There has just been so much to contend with because it'll all get announced after this week's episode, probably. So we'll we'll deal with it next week. Uh, but before we get to, you know, some interesting topics, I think we have to discuss this week. I'm joined by Brian Altano. Hello, I'm I'm just don't waste any more time on me. Just let's get right to the, the no, big, of course. big news. It's right, huge. right to the news. Uh, and we're also joined this week, of course, by Lucy O'Brien. Hi. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for keeping it short, staccato, <laughs> right to the news. And of course, the news is I have the Cheers theme song stuck in my head and I can't That's get huge. rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is you can uh, you can watch that on PlayStation video for the next few weeks until that. Until August. Yeah. Service uh, yeah. Goes yeah, that, that's, that's a talking point now in like the pandemic times. Like that's the type of way we make conversation. I realized the other day that I have two stories like in the whole year I've had, I've got like two stories. I tweeted this out. One is learning to make pasta. And the other mm. is that I met a very friendly squirrel and that's it. That's all I've got. That is like my entire sort of social output. I'll be honest with you. Second story, not a lot to work with. First story, I could talk to you for hours. That would be a great day. You know, you and I could just talk about <laughs> like new, just different types of pie. I'm a big, huge fan of Bucatini personally. It's like a fat spaghetti. Really good stuff. Okay. And you're going to teach me some of your tricks. <laughs> I'm a big squirrel guy, so this all works out in the end. Well, we have That's both stories you, covered. You, you, got, it, you got a whole weekend. Yeah. No, Lucy, I'll be honest. Most of my stories have been telling my girlfriend your tweets because I find them so funny. And I'll be like, have you seen this one? And then that's the rest of our, our evening. It's, yeah, that's that's it's over. Very sad. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to these times. Anyway, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, for anyone who is watching, uh, just briefly wanted to mention on YouTube, of course, we're on uh, the IGN Games channel currently, uh, no longer on the Podcast Beyond channel. Uh, if you're still subscribed over there, make sure you're subscribed here. We'll have a Beyond playlist going. You'll be able to just tune in for Beyond if that's all you really want. But I encourage you checking out the other shows because there's a lot of great, thoughtful conversations happening there, including like on shows like podcast unlocked which brian was on this week i cheated on you guys i'm sorry it's all right Wait, you're also on nvc most weeks so you're st- you're you know you're just running the full gamut this week pretty mm-hmm. much trying i appreciate it um of course there probably will be some uh 
some crossover and discussion. So I, I'm curious to hear what your talking points will be. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's jump right into. Uh, I, I think Are you the jealous? First story, you sound a little jealous. No, I, look, they have the big news, but I think it's worth talking about from a, a little bit of a different context because I mm-hmm. think ever since this uh, this story was first teased as a possibility, the the console wars ensued when uh, you shouldn't really be putting your whole life's worth assigned to a company that just wants to make money from you. Um, but we, uh, we of course, learned that the Microsoft acquisition of Bethesda has fully gone through. It, it is, you know, the, the legal logistical nightmares of it have happened. They, they worked through it and they are now part of the Xbox family. Uh, they We don't really have any more info about whether or not Bethesda games will be exclusives other than uh, the news today sort of reiterating what Phil Spencer said months ago, which was it'll be a case by case basis. There will be some exclusives, some not. My presumption is uh, just to sort of get it out of the way, like ongoing games like um, Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Online that are already on PlayStation and other places. Those are going to stay there. I don't think they're going to yank those games away from players who are already playing them. Uh, but of course, this opens up the the future potential for things like Starfield and the Elder Scrolls six and, and all of these things. And I, I did want to start sort of from a, a, a more Sony focused perspective. And I, I do want to talk about this quite rationally. I think we all understand, like at the end of the day, this is a business move. Microsoft has, we've talked about on the show for a long time, had the problem of not having first party games to put out to tout on their platforms. Doing this ensures they have another 10 studios to be able to do that with. They're obviously going to make some games exclusive. But but my the thing that I want to start with is uh, and Lucy, I'll start with you. Do you feel like Sony needs to do anything in the immediate future to counteract this news? Like, do they really need to bring attention back to PlayStation in any way or is attention not really been gone do you think because of this news i mean you know i'll just reiterate what i've always said like i still think that uh sony has the best first party stable um of the pair i think that sony's reputation for delivering incredibly like polished first party triple a games um is is unrivaled uh you know, I I don't think that there needs to be any kind of immediate moves. Um, obviously, there's always stuff going on in the background, but like, I don't think there needs to be any kind. Of, I mean, there shouldn't be a knee jerk reaction to any big business decision anyway, right? Like, um, but yeah, I think Sony's still in a good place uh, and and still holds that crown for being. You know, it's that it's what the sort of Nintendo seal of quality kind of used to stand for. When when Sony pushes out a first party game, you know that it's going to be something and i don't think that there's you know they're going to let anything through um of of a lesser quality really these days so you know i i i think they're a pros and cons of both they're just an (laughs) even playing field it's a game of two halves uh and brian of course uh granted i knew even with your cheating on us this week of course uh (laughs) and getting honestly their you know their inside perspective of course we love you too um you know i haven't been able to listen to that episode of unlocked but i am curious from your end like where where do you see the Sony of it all with this news? Because I, I do think obviously this every time we we post about this on IGN, like the, the audience is really interested in seeing this acquisition happen. And Bethesda is home to huge games, but it is yeah. it is helping Microsoft catch up is is definitely what it feels like. Yeah, no, totally. This this is this news is interesting today because it's it sort of reiterates what we knew already, right? Like it kind of feels like our like 
two two people we knew got engaged a couple months ago and then today we got married and then what old people do on a wedding day is they're always like where's the babies when are you gonna have kids and we're just like maybe get let's give them a day uh i will say though in the grand scheme of thing like in the in the long term here um i i'm not sure exactly how this will pan out but i know that as soon as the end of this week new bethesda games will be appearing on game pass and so that is once again and i've said this for years i love game pass as a service that is getting increasingly better and better and better and it's something that i think that sony needs to increasingly take notice to do they need their own version of it no but i think they're best way to counteract in the interim or at least the short term is to do what they did on playstation plus this month knock out a bunch of awesome games put a bunch of games on that service bolster that service value make people who are paying for it feel like they're getting something great for it so otherwise eyes are going to start to wander a little bit right like i think people will start looking into different directions um i don't think they're going to abandon the playstation ecosystem for xbox just because ps plus had a couple of bad months or something like that but i do think that if it's going to take months or years for this Bethesda, Zenimax, Microsoft thing to like truly bear fruit um, or babies, wherever you want to go with the metaphor here, um, baby trees, then I do want them to sort of go, OK, well, they're getting new Game Pass games constantly. What does our service have? What can we do to compete with that? How do we get the attention of fans and, and make them feel like the thing they're paying for every single month that they're paying for already in droves? Millions of people are paying for PS Plus. Make that better and better and better every single month. And so I think that's that's how they react in terms of the grand scheme. Lucy nailed it like this is PlayStation doesn't necessarily have to worry. This is Microsoft filling in a bunch of blanks in their catalog that they needed to fill in. And I'm really happy they're doing it. Um, But PlayStation has, you know, several like half a dozen studios working in 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 unison right now, just Mm -hmm. firing on all cylinders, making great games all the time. So I think that's important, too. Yeah, it, it's that thing that I think we've said it before a lot on the show, but it's worth echoing that like at the end of the day, both of these companies doing well only benefits all of us. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, if they're both putting out a fantastic lineup, they're going to try to compete with each other to have a better lineup. And we're going to see them, whether it's acquisitions or, you know, exclusivity deals or things like that. Obviously, the the how and why we get those things are, are definitely up for discussion, but they're going to keep pushing one another essentially to try to outdo each other. And we're the ones who benefit from that because we get a, you know, a continuous stream of great games. Um, Ryan McCaffrey and I interviewed uh, Matt Booty over on the Xbox side a couple years ago at E3 when that was a thing. And uh, we were talking about the acquisitions with him and, and he was sort of talking along the lines of like to them, a lot of their, their past studio acquisitions were with game pass in mind, as you were saying, Brian, like, like their hope was, you know, in time they could have a new first party Game Pass game every quarter or so, like the, in, in the same way that, you know, Netflix has net right now. Netflix is putting out a new movie every month for this year or, mm-hmm. or every week for this year, practically. HBO they, Max, same deal, right? One, yeah, one big movie every month, every month. It, game Pass is designed. They're trying to design their first party stable to allow for a similar output on a game scale. Now, ob- obviously, every game won't be a Elder Scrolls size game. They're going to have mm-hmm. smaller games, some grounded with avowed and, you know, like Forza Horizons and then smaller games like a, a Battletoads. Like, we'll we'll see that there. But that's what their goal is. PlayStation doesn't have that goal. They're very much they have their studios. And when their games are ready to come out, those games are going to come out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and yeah. I sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say you, you're totally right. You can't really predict what's going to be on PS Plus in November. Right. Like it was it was actually interesting recently because they we started getting announcements for games months ahead of time, like Destruction All-Stars. It's like it's cool to know, like, 
this is a game we're going to get three months from now on, on PS Plus, because I think for a lot of people, they subscribe on a month to month basis. These services are expensive. It's easy to get free codes for a month or like some cheap deal for, you know, just a, on, on Game Pass, especially like there's like 10 day, 14 day codes all the time included with games. Like, I think it's it's good to have an idea of what to expect. And we don't necessarily have that on the PlayStation side, mostly because they don't really drag and drop their first party games onto PS plus ever, Mm -hmm. nor should they really, I don't feel like they need to, they are market leaders uh, and crushing it on MPD constantly. Every time like they put out triple a first party games, but it would be cool to have some sort of idea of like, what does the rest of this year look like for the service I'm paying for, which I think you are getting with Netflix and you are getting with HBO Max and even Disney Plus is sort of giving you a, a slight roadmap of like what you can expect to see down the line. Mm, it feels like PS Plus, uh, you know, I'm sure it's 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 it, like any service it's ever evolving, but it feels like it's kind of having a slight identity crisis. Like it's just it seems very scattershot. It seems very sort of as you say, like not particularly focused um, and certainly in terms of communication, um, you know, of, of those who, who own that service, like there's not a lot of communication there. So, you know, I think, I think that is definitely the, the sort of the right space for, for Sony to be looking because they've got everything else kind of wrapped up in a nice little <laughs> bow, you yeah. know, yeah. and this is like, this is an area of growth for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely something I think we saw, you know, not as dramatic, I want to say, uh, compared to Game Pass Rise, but there was a pretty healthy bump, I believe, in PlayStation Plus subscribers over the last year, you know, during mm-hmm. the pandemic and everything. And obviously people look to that. They look to being able to have these because at the end of the day, they're not free games that you are paying, as Brian was saying, like month to month or year to year. And so you want that investment to eke out. And yeah, of course, we're not going to get. Uh, you know, uh, God of War Ragnarok or Horizon Forbidden West day one on PlayStation Plus. That's just not going to happen. You know, Destruction All-Stars makes sense because it's a multiplayer game. It's a new IP. They want to, you know, get an install base there. But I totally agree. They, I, I think they need to be making more inroads because even if PlayStation Plus and Game Pass aren't the same, they're often viewed in a similar like are, are my dollars going toward a value that makes sense as a player? And it, mm-hmm. I do think they need to keep building PlayStation Plus I still think they should integrate PlayStation now in some way, like sort of taking Game Pass Ultimate. I think if you combine those two services for a reduced price, like you'd probably get a lot more PlayStation now players. Right. There's I mean, there's also like the one of the things we're we're kind of negating here and for good reason is the PS Plus collection, which is an awesome yeah. feature currently paywalled behind a console. The average consumer can't purchase. And so I think once people get their hands on PS5 and they get to that collection and assuming that collection grows over time, we haven't really heard anything about that. I was um, that up, yeah. Yeah. Then that's that's that, that's a really great incentive right there. But the millions of people on PS4 are not experiencing that right now that was to entice people to buy a ps5 which they seem enticed about since you can't buy one (laughs) like the general idea is doesn't need any more enticing they're sold out every second um and so yeah it's i hope that service grows that side of the service grows and i hope more people can get a ps5 period yeah it's really interesting that we haven't seen even like one game added since launch to the play. I thought that was going to kind of be one where we'd maybe get like one or two more games a, a month or even, you know, every quarter just to kind of add and build. Cause, um, Jim Ryan in his interview that he gave with GQ a couple of weeks back that we talked about, he, I think he mentioned there one in four people who got a PS five didn't have a PS four. So that, that collection mm-hmm. is really valuable to a quarter of the player base of PS five, which granted, you know, is only a million, a million and a half right now, but that's obviously a dedicated player. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm surprised they are not building into that. But Brian, you you may be right in terms of like 
the people just want to figure out when they can get their hands on it. I, I don't think Sony's too worried about incentivizing people to buy a PlayStation five right now because they're already kind of incentivized. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in this interesting influx where I, I think, you know, there's a whole other side of it of like acquisitions by these major companies and the, the positives and negatives of them are also something to consider because I, I don't think we're going to see PlayStation at any point in the near future, spend $7 billion on acquiring a publisher. I just don't expect that to happen anytime soon. No. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you can say like, Bethesda will have more support from that Microsoft corporate side, which will hopefully lead to more stability for those devs and all these things. It does raise the question of how close are we getting to a monopolistic future like Disney and Disney Plus and everything. Um, but as of right now, I I don't foresee a huge change in the near future for PlayStation players with this news, just like Brian, you were saying, it doesn't really change what we heard a few months ago. We're still going to get Deathloop. We're still going to get Ghostwire Tokyo as, you know, uh, launch exclusives on PS5. I still believe we're going to get I, uh, my money is on either Starfield or Elder Scrolls six still coming to PlayStation. Um, at the end of the day, I think it would be, you know, don't get me wrong. They're buying them to get exclusives. But at the end of the day, it, it seems crazy not to not put that money on the table, like to just get the PlayStation. I don't know how both of you feel like those are the, those are the two question marks I always see getting thrown around are, will those go platform exclusive? Um, and at least for me, I think at least one of them is going to be on PlayStation. I don't know. I'm weird chicken and the egg thing about all this, right? It's Mm. like, do you put your games multi-platform because you can make a lot of money instantly by selling tons of, copies on ps4 ps5 and pc or do you just keep them to one place so you can bring people over which will eventually let them become you know xbox console or xbox ecosystem people forever that's very tough you know i mean if you look at there was a tremendous backlash against the the that tomb raider exclusivity deal on the xbox side a couple years ago and i think that like that significantly held the sales of that game back And like ultimately it went everywhere and people played it and they loved it. I enjoyed the hell out of that game. But I do think that that um, that definitely damaged the impact that that game had around launch, which is kind of a bummer. But things are different now. I think we're we're in a different we're in a different world. Like, I I think there's a lot more goodwill behind Xbox this time around out the gate than there was last time. Not that I think I know that for sure, because (laughs) last time was really bad. That was a really bad launch year. And they it kind of defined their trajectory for the rest of the console generation. And I think things are a a lot better off now. Yeah, I mean, I. Obviously, it, uh, I'm in two minds about it because, you know, yeah. on the one hand, it isn't just Xbox withholding games from PlayStation or whatever. It's Xbox and PC. Like, it's, it's this is the thing, you know, sometimes I'm like, do, does, do, do we, do they need PlayStation 5? Yeah. Like, do they need, you know, we've got the whole, you've got the whole Xbox family now, which is PC as well. That's a massive user yeah. base. You know, it's not just it's not just the Xbox; it's the PC as well. So, you know, I'm not I'm like I would love it if, <laughs> if, if you know PlayStation um, owners got to experience those games in in some uh, way, and hopefully that will happen. Uh, it just you know I, I think that you know we need to think a little bit beyond just it being on Xbox because it's it's there's it is PC. There's also, a lot yeah. more to it, and that user base is a lot larger. No, you're mm-hmm. totally right. And it, it is that fascinating thing. I think for me, the it, it would be like if we're looking at the market as it is right now, it would seem 
like wild for such a big franchise to not appear on PlayStation, but we're also not going to be getting the Elder Scrolls six any like in the next year or two. Right. The yeah. market's going to change a lot. Like the, the thing I said a few months ago to me, I still really believe is like I think Phil Spencer is saying it's going to be a case by case basis because who knows how the next few years are going to turn out. Like mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a bit more evenly matched on a sales note of like xbox to playstation and xbox is measuring in a different way because of the game pass focus and so you know if things are in a comfortable position for them i definitely don't see a reason for them to put these things on sony because as you were saying lucy they have pc and xbox at the end of the day uh and uh, you know people who use xcloud on their phones like there's a wide audience there that matters in a different way to them than if they were perhaps in the same position as they were toward the beginning of the Xbox one life cycle, I like mm-hmm. that, that era Xbox, I could see very much still willing to put stuff on PlayStation, but now it's, it, yeah, th- they acquired them for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I also like it. We're speculating this, but um, I think we're doing it because I, I don't think there is any sort of inherent value to them announcing, you know, planting oh, the flag totally. right now today. Yeah. Uh, Starfield is exclusive. I, I don't know, like if there would be a significant business advantage or opportunity to doing that today the fact that it is sort of all speculation right now is a little is a little crazy because you mm-hmm. you sort of expect them to be like well here here's it here's why we did why we did this here are the plans um but it sounds a lot more open-ended than that and i think that if you're just a playstation guy or girl uh and you only have one of those consoles then this didn't close the door on you forever today right the announcement mm-hmm. was basically like case by case some things will be exclusive to xbox some things won't so you you know there's a chance (laughs) but um yeah it it does seem like in the long term here that if you're like number one bethesda fan person on earth uh you should probably get an x xbox enabled shaped device in some way <laughs> which whatever they want to call that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it's it, you're, you're right though it is kind of like it, it's it's crazy to be talking about especially starfield like we okay we understand the pedigree behind it but what else have we got to go on like we've got what like a, a logo yeah you know, yeah. No one's gonna be like damn we'll get to play starfield like, like it's just you know no one knows what that game is even so it's, it's but lucy it's like, like the logo like the t and the l they both turn into <laughs> in a worms like it's like lowly worm they become a circle that's i i think you're not giving this logo enough credit personally it's fair it's uh, i can't wait for it to just basically be fallout shelter in space though uh <laughs> it really crush everyone's dreams mm-hmm. um yeah it, it is one that i think you know as you both were saying um it is a the news of today doesn't change anything that we knew about six months ago, uh, especially for PlayStation fans. And I, I mostly wanted to bring it up to like it is a major shift. It is, you know, uh, uh, one of the big three publishers or console owners acquiring a massive third party publisher. It will have huge implications. Nothing has changed that we know of right now, but it, it will be an interesting thing to, I think, see as this draws out throughout the generation, because we. I think we can see the pieces of what Microsoft is doing for five years from now. I can't necessarily say the same about PlayStation. I can see mm-hmm. what they're doing in the next year or two. But yeah. beyond that, beyond is a, a bit of a mystery to me. And it's it's interesting to have those different uh, different viewpoints, because often we don't get that in generations. Often it's kind of like both are operating on very similar planes and focuses. Um, the, yeah, so, the ideal universe for every video game consumer on planet Earth is that every console manufacturer, software developer is in a constant neck and neck battle. <laughs> that is the best <laughs> thing that can possibly happen. The second somebody gets 
you know, uh, big and complacent and they look like Bib Fortuna at the end of the Mandalorian spoilers. Uh, you, you don't want anything like that to happen. You want you want this just constantly breathing on each other's necks, uh, scaring the crap out of each other because it just means better stuff for all of us. Like, that's all it, we want. The complacency is how you get giant enemy crabs and you'll work two jobs to get a PS3, <laughs> which is not a Sony. I think any of us want to say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for how it will motivate um, you know, the sales pushes. But at the end of the day, I, again, just as a reminder, these are two companies making moves that will best benefit them, their bottom uh, bottom line at the end of the day. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Um, very briefly, just to jump between stories, because it's a bit of an, uh, a grab bag of stuff this week. I uh, did want to mention, it uh, doesn't confirm any sort of new project or anything, but Brian, you, you had pointed this out in the Beyond group. Uh, Walt Williams uh, seems to have announced... He is joining Insomniac Games uh, based on a tweet holding up an Insomniac Games placard. Uh, so either joining Insomniac Games or, or is out on a mission to hunt them all down. Uh, I don't know which, but uh, anyway, or, Walt Williams. Or, or he's just contracting for them for a game. Yeah, or that. Yeah. yeah, or that. Um, but in some way, Walt Williams will be working on a for them. Just for anyone who doesn't know Walt, uh, and the I want to bring it up was uh, he's written Star uh, on projects like Star Wars Squadron, Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, was one of the writers behind Spec Ops The Line, uh, and a few other projects as well. Uh, a, a really great writer. Interesting games in that back catalog, n- none of which immediately scream Spider-Man or Ratchet and Clank to me. Um, and so uh, there's the hope in my back, the back of my head of like, oh, what if it's a weird resistance reboot? What if it's a really strange take on Sunset Overdrive, like or something brand new? Like there could be any untold number of things, but it's it's an exciting move to me in terms of I think Insomniac is so very prolific. They they are putting out a surprising number of games as the, the years go on. And I'm, I'm just generally excited by what they have in store, both known and unknown. Uh, Brian, you had brought uh, this up in the Beyond Group. I didn't know if there was anything about Walt's like past games you wanted to mention. Um, um, no, he's been on the show before. He's written books, which are great. You should check out. Uh, I, th- to me, this, th- this felt like a, like Spider-Man shaped DLC thing that we don't know anything about yet. Like I, I, whether that's Miles Morales or Peter Parker, something like another, another sort of Miles Morales sized adventure in that universe. Um, it feels right to me. Uh, I don't, I, I feel like my brain did the same thing as yours, Jonathan, where I was just like, he's written games with guns. So obviously it's gotta be resistance. Like yeah. get, the, <laughs> get the soldier guy on the shooting game. Um, but uh, he, you know, there's, there's a lot of nuance to the stuff he makes. And uh, he's generally like a, just, I think he's like a very sweet man, despite the fact mm-hmm. that he writes a lot of these stories that get grim and dark. If you're listening to this, hi, Walt, um, you're, good, you're a good person. <laughs> I uh, I hope it's I hope it's Spider Man. Maybe that's just my brain being like writer that you love and uh, video game series that you love. Put them together and get more of of those things. That's that's my peanut butter and chocolate right there. Also, I think that writing for Spider Man would be such a treat for any writer. Like yeah. I, I think that universe, the tone of the Insomniac games is is so kind of fun and warm and interesting. And they've obviously let previous writers play around in that space um, and, you know, throw out ideas and those ideas have been onboarded. Um, so I think that there's like, it's, it's, it's a great place for any writer to, to end up in. Yeah. It's yeah, totally. You're absolutely right, Lucy, with the tone of it. And especially they've they've let it be malleable enough too that they can go in some strange places. Like I could immediately see sort of the psychological stuff he's done before with like spec ops and whatnot and apply that to a Mysterio arc in Spider-Man or something where it gets really psychologically weird and interesting, but also just to play around in the world of Spider-Man. There are so many opportunities there. Uh, I don't think we're in, I, I don't think we're in for a shortage of Spider-Man content from Insomniac in the years to come. Spider-Man. So Spider-Man's uh, wh- whatever Spider-Man uh, he is or isn't writing for. We're excited definitely to see what comes from Insomniac. 
Uh, Brian, you bringing up the uh, sort of like the Miles Morales sized uh, adventure was sort of an interesting one for me because somewhat tying into that, I wanted to briefly bring up uh, just as for anyone who might not know, there's a new uh, God of War comic series called God of War Fallen God, which I believe comes out this week or the week after. I'm trying to find the release date, Uh, but it's coming out soon and essentially is helping to bridge the gap between, uh, you know, the end of the original God of War series and the God of War that we had. Uh, I I imagine it won't tell every bit of that story, but uh, it's helping to fill in the gaps of what was seen there uh, after God of War 3. And for me, that's something that like I in part would love a game set in that era that was a smaller, like expand alone, if that's the the word that Sony wants to use going forward type of game. Um, I I don't know about both of you, but like I we've talked a little bit about it on the show before. I just I really love that cadence of smaller games with these larger games. I I think Mm -hmm. there's something to it that allows for experimentation that we may not get otherwise. Um, I mean, yeah, I I hear you. I think that a lot of these, um, you know, these companies really do want to like push into like lean into the whole transmedia thing and really kind of put their stamp on on, you know, all sorts of we're seeing it all over, you know, we're seeing it like with the yeah. last of us series with um, the halo TV series, you know, there's always been like tie in novels and, 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 you know, comic books and stuff like that. Like I, I I'm, I'm sure something like that would have been considered and then they'd gone, okay, well this is, you know, better suited as, as a comic series rather than a game. Like I think all of us, like a lot of us who spend more time playing the video games than reading the tie in novels are like, damn, that would have been great. But um, I do understand, like, the decision-making behind, you know, just expanding out this universe, right? Like, getting the tendrils out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is something that uh, almost every medium is experiencing right, and experimenting with right now, which is super cool. Because like uh, Lucy alluded to, like, there were there was a very long time that if your story concluded in like a comic, it meant your show got canceled. Like there was yeah. that was that was basically like this pit of hell where it's just like, well, we're not going to get a fourth season. But don't worry, there's like a a webisode or like a like a, a web comic, a, like a, a like a Happy Meal prize, like this something like that. Whereas I think over the last few years, people have been like, what is a movie? What is a TV show like Zack Snyder's Justice League is a four hour movie. Uh, Euphoria is a television show that got two individual episode spinoffs. Breaking Bad is a six season television show that got a movie spinoff and a prequel season. Like the idea of being able to tell stories in different ways is super cool to me. And this is these are, you know, uh, Kratos and Atreus are, are phenomenal characters, as are in, in, every single supporting character in that game. And so, yeah, sure. I want more of it. Like and and I if. If that means they have they want to tell a story in a comic and then tell another story in like a six hour game or a 25 hour game or a movie or a TV show and have it all interconnect. I dig it. I totally dig it. Yeah, there's a you're totally right. There's a lot more fluidity to where those things go. I mean, you're absolutely you hit the nail on the head in terms of the like, yeah, usually a tie in comic meant things didn't go well for the actual flagship. thing. That's <laughs> it's, it's not the case anymore. I mean, like even it's behind me but that's the first issue of one of the new star wars high republic lines and like that is a thing that only right now exists in books and comics it's not in any of the movies or tv shows and it's one of my favorite star wars things in a long time like the high republic Mm. is such a cool era and there's so much cool stuff there but i'm glad they've chosen these mediums to start it in because it really does it allows for a different relationship with the reader in this case and i i think you can you can find where those places make sense um you're you're both totally right i guess it's just me being self 
wanting to work out of organs. <laughs> Which um, is totally fair. I hope I'm not alone in that. I, I would imagine, given how excited people are for Ragnarok. But no, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I, I totally agree that now it feels like these things aren't a like, well, you know, we had this leftover idea. Let's put it in a comic. It is. We have a good idea. It makes sense as a comic. Let's do it there. It makes sense as a tie in book. Um, I have the God of War journal that is essentially atreus's journal in the game with like new little bits and details of lore that makes more sense there than a you know deluxe's deluxe edition of the game i guess where they add in a few more vo lines like it's i, I like which deluxe's edition i Deluctor's like that a lot. Edition, that's yeah. that's better than expand alone i like yeah i like deluxe's mm-hmm. deluxe's edition yeah if, it's if you, far more dumb <laughs> <laughs> if you need a clumsy portmanteau just let me talk long enough and i'll mix up two words and that's how i that's well, how that's, i do marketing I, i'm into that um anyway god of god of war i just want ragnarok but you know take your time please i just am excited anyway moving on from that in the continued grab grab bag see i can't speak today uh in terms of playstation news did want to briefly just mention uh because we had talked a little bit honestly in passing because it came out the the state of play week in terms of psvr 2 happening but playstation did announce uh is it six more games coming to psvr it includes the next game from the creators of arizona sunshine sunshine oh my god jonathan learned to speak uh after the fall is a new uh co-op first person shooter uh a jrpg inspired mmo called zenith uh i expect you to die too. the spy and the liar which is a oh a, a lot of a title which i appreciate uh a psvr action adventure game called fract a survival game called Song in the Smoke, which looks really cool, and Doom 3 VR edition for PSVR. Uh, We've seen PlayStation do these sort of like PSVR game announcement dumps. This seems to kind of be like the the rollout of PSVR news. Um, And none, none of these in particular was like, oh, here here's like a, you know, second coming of PSVR or third or fourth coming of PSVR. Um, but it, at least for me, it's nice to see that there's still support going, even though they have announced the future of PSVR, like we are going to get PSVR 2, but it's not going to be absolute silence in the months between. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked a, a couple weeks back when the PSVR 2 news came out, and so I wanted to just reflect on that a little bit more since we didn't take too much time. But PSVR is in an interesting place, and I forget who said it, but it is almost even a little bit surprising that they are continuing that support given how much of a smaller install base it has compared to the larger, you know, PlayStation audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I wanted to take sort of this opportunity of the these new games, uh, not necessarily to like go through each one of them, but I guess in the lead up to PSVR 2, are both of you expecting a I'm I'm curious of how much of a focus do you think PSVR 2 will be going into this PlayStation 5 generation? Because I feel like so much of the focus is on the DualSense and the PS5 and the games that we're going to be playing directly on there. Like, do you think there is room for PSVR to exist and thrive in the years to come, considering how PSVR did? That is my long winded question. Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, Yes, in its current iteration, it's kind of a pain in the ass. And I've said this before, but it's only gotten more sort of cumbersome with PS5. Like the fact that right now the best and only way to connect your psvr to ps5 is to like get multiple things in the mail is kind of a problem um (laughs) like i i'm really really happy that they are continuing to support this platform and they're uh, that they announce that they're they are making sort of like a, a sequel to it like that is awesome uh that to me says that they're in the long term here, the long haul for for VR in general. It's great to have a company of this size w- that owns and operates this many software developers 
continuing to support th- this medium that is constantly always seen as being like just on the cusp of breaking through. But I think Sony realizes like maybe it doesn't need a breakthrough. Maybe like we can service enough audience by reaching a small but passionate amount of people. I remember reading about attach rates for PSVR, and I think that goes a long way, too. Like, if you only reach 10 million people, but each one of those people buys five or seven games, that's huge. You know, that's super, super huge. Like, you don't really see attach rates like that on on some even more popular systems sometimes. Um, That said, like, I, I don't I don't really see the need to drag out my PSVR right now. I'm glad that they're still making stuff for it, but I'm gonna wait until that's like a little more cohesive um and there's just like one single wire and i'm just playing on ps5 right now it doesn't feel like it, it it's 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 meant to work like i know people are using it i just don't personally want to deal with that level of hassle for it right now. yeah I'm, I'm very much in the same boat i have not even though i have the attachment and the to be able to use the camera and everything i have not pulled out my psvr since the ps5 came out because just the the worry of what that will mean for my my cable management, which is already not great, uh, is not an exciting you know op- uh, opportunity to come up mm-hmm. in the future. I'd much rather wait for this uh, one chord future. But yeah, I think that point's really interesting in terms of like in some sort of acceptance of maybe this doesn't need to be you know as big as the PS5. Like it is okay that it has the smaller base uh, as long as that base is really fervent as it clearly is for psvr um I, I do think it brings up that interesting of like how do they balance their messaging and everything like how much attention do they give to psvr versus uh ps5 especially as the future goes on but it's it is it's one of those nice things to see that we are still at least getting somewhat of a cadence of releases um lucy for you i don't know do you currently have a psvr at home with you or is i do it, not i yeah. do not i yeah i mean i've Play, I mean, the before times, uh, obviously, <laughs> played around with the PSVR in the in the office, but didn't, yeah. didn't ever buy one myself, um, mainly because, yeah, I am enjoying a more streamlined future where I have a, a compact little console with all my machines in there and I don't really like dragging out things. And, and, and also just because, like, I guess I was, I was one of those people that was sort of waiting for the, like, the killer app or whatever, like, old school language you want to use for it um and and i and i i you know i've come around to the fact that there doesn't really need to be one and there are some freaking great like smaller games on there like tetris effect and astrobot rescue mission um but yeah i i i don't know when i'll make the leap or if i'll make the leap i'm definitely still one of those people that's like i'm glad that it exists i don't feel like i need it and i don't feel like i'm super missing out um, but that's just me. And I, and I'm really pleased that people are still, uh, you know, enjoying something that is really different and unusual and beyond 2000 and, uh, yeah, like it's a good yeah. thing ultimately. I, I'm I'm like weirdly sort of philosophically of two minds about VR in general over the last year because I, mm-hmm. I fully recognize that it is this amazing thing that people can use to escape the doldrums of the, you know, four walls they've been trapped in for a year like i i went on this thing called wander on oculus quest and went to my parents house in new jersey and just stood in the street staring at the house and it's like a beautiful sunny day when they took the picture and i was like well now i'm crying in vr that's sweet because <laughs> i haven't you know I haven't, I haven't been home in a year um yeah. but also like i since i've gotten older and become a dad and stuff like that and you know been been home with my family my small family for like the last year 
my wife and kid, like I want to be present in those moments. Like it's one thing to play a video game and like pause it and stuff like that. But to just like go inside of a, a, a big helmet and and hide as like the, the few moments of humanity uh, are thriving around me that I have any sort of <laughs> tangible interaction with. Um, it's just it's been one of those things where I'm not super interested in it, except for like, you know, looking at my parents house <laughs> on Oculus Quest. No, I, I'm very much there with you. I think this is the this past year, even though, like, as you said, it would make a lot of sense to use it to escape being in this apartment for a year straight. I've probably used PSVR the least since I had it in part because, yeah, it, you know, I I wanted to still be present with my girlfriend and my dog and to just kind of be existing in this and to to go into that does feel like goodbye everyone i'm you know kind of forcing myself in here it's yeah a little like bit like putting putting your head in the sand right and just being mm-hmm. like <laughs> which is good yeah. the sand's great i think we should the all get to put our i mean yeah some, lot, but we could all use a little bit more time detached sometimes i think for sure mm-hmm. i definitely don't need to log on to twitter as much as i do but yeah mm-hmm. it's uh it, it, there's definitely i think something to the um the hassle of what PSVR currently is that also kind of brings that up. The most VR I've used has been, you know, playing Beat Saber on an Oculus because of how simple it is. I had a thing um, with my PSVR where and I, I, I remember reading on like the subreddit at some point that the, this is was fairly common that y- you had to like let it like sort of warm up for a minute or two at the beginning, <laughs> like because uh, otherwise it would fog out your 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 lenses. And so I bought this like pen to like clean the inside of the lenses in the PSVR. And then I had like a, like a, a, like a little like wipe type thing. And so I would like plug it all in, turn it on and then like wait five minutes and then go in there and be like, it's not, let me clean. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I don't <laughs> like, I understand that people love this. I understand that people, this, but this is, this is, this is their iPhone one, you know, mm-hmm. like this is yeah. like, it's, they're going to make better versions of this. I enjoyed it for what I could while, while I did. You know, like I, I, I saw an elephant piss in VR yeah. on, on PSVR once. We talked important. on the show, like important. very important. One yeah. of the greatest experiences. But it, like ultimately, like I'm like, this is, you know, you guys took a crack at this. You did pretty good. But like I, I'm, I've moved on and I'll, I'll wait for the next thing, which I'm sure will be infinitely better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as the saying goes, it's worth burying your head in the sand to see some elephant piss. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on <laughs> from some of the news briefly, just wanted to uh also, before we wrap up, I uh, just wanted to mention, uh, please go check out. I did an interview with uh, Kenny Young, who is the composer for Astro's Playroom, which if you've played Astro's, uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal. And you've probably had some of those songs stuck in your head. Uh, he spoke to me sort of about the origins of the uh, the GPU jungle song, which I think is the, the song, uh, how that song came about, how some of the other uh, the the methods he used. He actually went back and essentially tried to. Uh, use some PS1 era synths and things of that nature to get some of the sounds that are, were inspired by that era. Uh, Brian, I definitely obviously a music yeah, sounds awesome. to go check out some of what he, he went a little bit into, like some of the musicality of it. That was even a little too much for like me to really know, but it was a, a really, really fun, fascinating discussion about a soundtrack that I absolutely adore uh, and some of some of the interesting ways that stuff came up. Uh, and one of the most interesting takeaways was about how um, because it was a free pack in that kind of let him think about it in a way where he could take some risks because what they were making was not the like one to one reason someone was spending money on a PS5. Uh, and, oh, and sort of so much sense. He would yep. just be so much more relaxed because it's like, oh, well, you know, they're going to play it even if it sucks. 
And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the reason that, that, you know, people are, there's no pressure. I mean, there's exactly. a certain degree of pressure, but yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. All yeah. Right. As if soon I, as he if, said if it. If I ever make a game, it's going to be bundled with a console. It's sure. got to be a free packing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's uh, great about that is like, that's all the more reason to phone it in to be like, oh, they're going to, they're going to be here for something else no matter what. But he didn't totally. like that. Man, uh, that's so cool. Yeah. I can't wait to read that, Jonathan. That's, that's awesome. A, the soundtrack's really great. And it was, a, it was a great discussion. Kenny, if you're listening to this, love to have you on sometime. It, it was such a, a treat to talk. He, he used to, uh, he composed the the Little Big Planet series before he worked on the rescue. He was the composer for Rescue Mission, so this isn't his first Astrobot game. But yeah, really great talk. Definitely go recommend checking that out because uh, alongside that uh, chance to interview him, they revealed that the uh, Astros soundtrack, the Astros Playroom soundtrack, will be available digitally at the end of this week on March 12th. So if you don't need to boot up your PS5 to listen to GP Jungle anymore, you can just go listen to the soundtrack. Look, I've had that song stuck in my head since I got a PS5. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't need to... I, it's it's already playing. It's already there. I don't need I, to hear it again. I get it. But if you, if you're looking for a reason to hear it externally <laughs> as well, it'll be available there. Uh, before we wrap up, though, briefly, did just want to mention uh, anything we're playing of note, Brian. You're still on Yakuza. Yeah, just falling more and more in love with it. I feel so bad that I waited until Max's paternity leave <laughs> to really get into this game. But yep. also, I am filling our legal requirements of having someone talk about Yakuza every single week. Which, by the way, we haven't said Bloodborne this week, so there it is. It's um, true. No, yeah, yeah I, I totally love this game. It's um, it's really sort of co- like cozy is the word I would use to describe it. It is not a massive, sprawling open world game. This is a tight, you know, individual collection of small scale cities with super interesting characters. There are no cars on the road that can kill you or anything people generally don't just like shoot you in the head <laughs> like and anytime you have a, a like an altercation with somebody there's like four guys in the street being like oh is it that guy over there let's go kick his butt and then you kick their butts it's great um but yeah it's just like making your way around this small sort of lived in space visiting bars and restaurants um whether you've been in japan before or you haven't it just it feels like a real place which obviously has a lot of sort of like wacky fantasy nonsense in it too not like high fantasy or anything but there is like some sort of weird craziness in these games um but yeah i i don't know if if max hadn't sold you on these games uh, <laughs> and for some odd reason over the last decade um i implore you to check it out i i started with zero and i'm really excited to see where the rest of the series goes i know it's going to go up and down in quality and stuff like that but the fact that it and it ends in like a dragon which is like you know a, a turn-based jrpg is like super excited to see where all that goes so yeah just sticking with that Awesome. And uh, Lucy, anything on your end you've been playing or uh, been a bit uh, Well, I am late to the party, but I finally finished Hitman 3. Um, nice. nice. And I, do, I did, like, it did start off really bad at that series. I started off being very bad at it. And I was just like, oh, I'm useless. I, you know, I'm just useless at stealth, blah, blah, blah. I have no patience because that's one of my issues in video game. I just don't have the patience. But I think that, uh, like, Hitman, it, once you get into its rhythms, and you start seeing it's, it's you become sort of like um, the Terminator. You start seeing the opportunities, <laughs> and you start seeing, oh, this is this is how they've designed it, so you can do this. You know, it just took a little bit of time, and by the end, I was really I, I felt like I was pretty good. Like I wasn't getting caught, and I was coming up with clever ways to um, to do stupid shit. And it was like it was it was I, I really enjoyed it. So now I'm doing exactly what Max did, and, and going back to play all the other ones and it's just it's again like it's i know 
people have been telling me for years how good that series was and I just ignored and now I am apologizing <laughs> and also having a great time. Yeah, I, I was very much right there with you where I felt the same. I, I don't have patience. And when I tried Hitman 1 back when it first came out, I was like, I, I, I the game is bad because I'm, I'm not good at it. But it was me just not like playing by its rules. And once yeah. you give it that time, yeah, it, it opens up and you begin to learn, as you said, like its rhythms. And it's it's so fun. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of other stuff that we're all leaked to the party with, as I mentioned, I think last week. I've started Sekiro uh, and I got through my first boss fight. Uh, it's, oh, man, this, that game gets real tough or even early on. But I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I know we're pretty much like almost at the, the second year anniversary for it. I remember us talking back when it first came out and everyone on the podcast basically just falling over it and me just being like, I don't get it. I can't. Get, I don't understand it. And I am still getting my ass kicked. You can see I've put a couple of clips on my Twitter if you want to see me uh, just really They're not so good. They're not so good. Really funny. Funny. <laughs> uh, it's been a blast to play it like and I've been doing it as a live stream. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun to have people, you know, watching and either cheering at my successes or cheering at my very uh, embarrassing failures. But uh, yeah, lear learning that game's rules is really fascinating because it is so different from other Soulsborns where I can't rely on leveling up as much. Much. It is not the thing that you can rely on. So um, having to really learn the fundamentals of it, it has been a really fun experience so far with this beginning. And I know I'm so early in it, like I have I have no idea what's ahead of me. I've managed to stay spoiler free, but I'm, I'm really happy that I, I came back to that one and kind of like pushed through that pain point. OK, because um, I need to do the same thing. I gave up yeah. on that one pretty early on. I was like, eh, I'll come back to it. Never did. But maybe now that you're playing, maybe I will. If if I can get through it, you can get through it, Lucy. I believe in you. Um, yeah, there there was definitely I I gave up on it when it first came out during the first flashback to Harada Estate. I just couldn't get like I was stuck at one point. It was just like okay, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and then I came back and just using a few like tips and uh, pieces of suggestions that I've seen from people. I, I kind of focused in on what made the most sense and was willing to take the losses as learning experiences. Yeah. Uh, and and was able to push through a couple mini bosses. Honestly, the mini bosses so far, actual boss. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. It's a fun one. Um, before we wrap up, did want to read just one brief memory card story. Memory card, of course, is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your sad, weird, wacky, funny, whatever memories of your PlayStation or general gaming life. Those on the show, uh, you can write into at IGN subject line memory card this one is not about playstation per se but because it tied into a past story uh where we talked about rabbits chewing through a controller i i thought i would read it uh but anyway john wrote into beyond and said uh, i just heard the story about the rabbit chewing through a controller and have a very similar one rabbits must just love doing this uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a playstation but a super nes i had taken it to a friend's house and brought it back home left it in our basement at home for a couple of hours before hooking it up Unbeknownst to me, my brother was letting his pet rabbit run around for a little bit. I went to hook up the system only to find the rabbit had indeed chewed through the controller cord. At the time, I lived close to where Nintendo of Canada was located, and they had a repair desk in their office. I brought the controller in to see if they could replace the cord. The technician stared at it puzzlingly for a little bit, only... What happened to it? I told him about the rabbit, which had him in hysterics. He went to the back and came out with a brand new controller in hand. He told me I could have it for free because he hadn't laughed that hard in a long while. Still have that replacement controller. Beyond <laughs> and rabbits, regards, John. Uh, and I just yeah. love that because it's it's just so funny that the person would be like, oh, how did this happen? Oh, my God. Yeah, just take a controller. I, like, I also don't know Canada super well, but that still feels like an incredibly Canadian story. 
Yeah. Well, like down the road, there was Nintendo of Canada and I just went in and the guy was like, hey, of course you can have a replacement controller. Like yeah. that just makes sense to me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine, imagine that happening yeah. in NOA. Like you just roll up. I like I I went to Nintendo of America for like a preview event and like a uh-huh. shoot and everything like that. And they were like, you can't look at anything in any direction and you can't film anything anywhere except for the sign out front. And we we're like, yep. Oh, OK. And in Canada, they're like, come on in. There's free <laughs> snacks, poutine, <laughs> free controllers. Yeah. Like if, if I went to the Nintendo world shop in new york they would be like sure pay us for a, a new one yeah exactly yeah. It, it you lucy you're absolutely right it feels it feels very canadian as cliched as that is but john thank you so much for writing in with that story uh and again if you have a story you want to share with us write in to beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and we'll read them on the show each week uh but that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of beyond uh brian and lucy anything uh like watched or listened to recently that you want to plug anything uh, of note everything's been blurring together for me <laughs> um, um i, I want to just I, I i actually have something that i would like to plug this yes. week um oh. so a, a, a day or so back it was international women's day and um we decided that instead of the usual kind of like you know a lot of people pitch the same sorts of things like how difficult is it is it to be a woman in this industry like you know how challenging blah 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 we decided to sort of take a more celebratory approach this year. And, um, and we got two women, um, on either side of like the video game space, um, and the entertainment space of movies and TV, um, voice acting and acting to interview one another. And we had Sissy Jones, um, of Firewatch fame chatting to Kelly Marie Tran from the last Jedi, Jedi and most recently, uh, Raya and the last dragon, which is apparently fantastic. Uh, it's very good. Yeah. Um, and we had Kiki Wolfkill, who obviously heads up um, Halo Transmedia, uh, chatting with Deborah Snyder, who uh, produces all of um, Zack Snyder's DC movies, plus a, a whole bunch of other DCEU movies as well. So, like, both of those conversations, they could have gone really weird and they could have been really weird and awkward. Um, mm-hmm. But these two, both, all four of these, these, these incredible human beings, uh, just incredibly intelligent, charismatic, um, and just like, bounced off each other in the best possible way. And both conversations are really fascinating. It's not, you don't have to be a woman to, to um, enjoy them. They're really like, they're really, I mean, you know what I mean? Like they're not, we don't, no, just, totally. it's not just like, I just like the it? idea that it's like on YouTube. It's like, are you woman? Yes. You yeah, right, right. It's like, you know, like, I don't know what people think when they, no, there, there are definitely conversations that women, some women have with each other where being a man, I'm like, I don't know if I should be here. right, now. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is just, you know, these are just four professionals who's having really intense, intelligent conversations about their careers and what drives and what inspires them, et cetera, et cetera. So please check them out. Um, because I think they're great. Yeah, I haven't gotten to watch the full uh, Kiki and Deborah talk, but I saw the Sissy and Kelly Marie Tran one. That's fantastic. It's it's such a good conversation. I, I cannot re- recommend those highly enough to. They're they're so good. And congrats to you, Lucy, and everyone involved in making those happen. They're they're really really great conversations. Uh, Brian, anything on your end you want to promote, or just anything you've I been digging think recently? We can talk about this. Uh, IGN is presenting the South by Southwest Gaming Awards this year, which I'm hosting with uh, Akeem from IGN, and we are also writing the full shooting script together. So that's been a lot, but uh, <laughs> it's because I've never just written an award show. But here we go. Um, but yeah, it's been super fun, and uh, we I will share that when it's ready. Awesome. Uh, so and then little segments from that as well. That's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah, that's right. 
cool stuff to share actually yeah yeah, yeah there's a lot of moving parts there it's gonna be it's gonna be really good awesome okay. and then yeah as i mentioned the the astrobot review should be or uh, interview, excuse me, should be up by now. Uh, surprise, a review for a game that came out four months ago. <laughs> um, no, the interview's up, so please go check that out. Uh, and yeah, I can't think of anything else massive at the moment. But yeah, it, it, as uh, Lucy said, go go watch those conversations because they're fantastic. I, I cannot recommend them enough, and I'm excited for the awards. Uh, but other than that, we're going to wrap up for this week's episode Beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian and Lucy, as always, for joining me for this episode. And thank you to Red, our producer, for this all happen and thank you to everyone watching and listening we hope you're safe we hope you're and as always beyond beyond hey i'm jillian claire the host of the podcast thanks for coming in i've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years and so have my friends and i was like you know what no not gonna do this and then disney calls and is like we need you to come test for the anime movies i didn't know if my scene was gonna get cut or not Ooh, i could play that tune in every thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest saddest and most cringeworthy audition stories sometimes even the one that got away thanks for coming in is available on apple spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts